This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. I want you to pay very close attention to me. En esta noche voy a hablar de nuestra guerra espiritual. Y es bien importante que me escuchan, porque las cosas que les voy a hablar son necesarias, cosas necesarias en la vida cristiana, de cri la vida cristiana. Who in here understood me? There's a, raise your hand, who in here understood me? There's about five or six of y'all that understood me. And the rest have no idea what I said. So it's very important that you understand that when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, that you have to come to an understanding. And if you don't come to an understanding, it's very important that, see, throughout this teaching you're going to find something. When we deal with the, the weapons of our warfare, when we deal with the armor of God, it's about, you're going to see, it's all about coming and, and the, nece the, the necessary things that we must do to come to an understanding. Because these things, as you will see, and we want you to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read some things there. You're going to see these things are not just given to the believer. They're made available for the believer, but they're only made available for your taking. If you don't take them, you cannot use them. You don't know. It's not that they're not there. It's that you don't know how to actually incorporate them. You don't know what to do. You don't even know how you're even standing. You know, when we started our walk, there was, there was, I want you to, I want you to really grasp this. When we started our walk in Christianity, there's a lot of things we didn't understand of the Word of God. But there was something in place, something in place in your life that got you to this place. And that was an attitude of taking. There was an attitude of taking in your life. There was an attitude, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take hold of this. I'm going to take this up. I'm going to become interested in, involved in. I'm going to be engaged in a pursuit. That was in place in your life from the very beginning. Because if you were not, that was not in place, then you really weren't touched by Jesus. Because that's an immediate thing. It's an immediate, it's like, I want to know. I want to see I want to follow. And I could tell you, like for example, how many of, you, how many of y'all want to know what I said? You have to come to an understanding in order to understand that. And then I want to tie this into the teaching after, and I'll tell you what I said, but I want to tell you how God's methodology brings you to that understanding and how God does it. In order for you to come to an understanding. See, you're never going to escape how God does things to get you to an understanding. You'll never be able to pull away from it. God only does things His way. And He never changes. Regardless of how much you want to understand, until you get into that methodology, you will never understand what I just said. Never understand it. Because see, with me, I understood it because I spent time around it. I gathered some information. I spent time. I heard it on a continual basis. I became interested in it. I became involved in it. I was engaged in a pursuit to know what I was talking about. And I heard it on a continual basis. And I heard it on a continual basis. 
And then all of a sudden, things got in my way of my hearing on a continual basis. My mother would speak to me in Spanish and she would allow me to speak to her in English. And then that messed up the whole process. Because when I had to use it, I didn't know how to use it. Do you understand? And there's things that will get away in the way of our understanding. And if you don't deal with those things, you're going to have to learn them at an older age and it becomes a little bit more difficult. Because now you've added a lot of different things things into your life that confuse the matter. And it becomes difficult. See, I had to actually develop that language. Even though I understood what was being said, I could not have... See, without you understanding what I just said, you cannot be fruitful in a conversation with me. You cannot follow my instructions and you cannot ask me any questions about what, you did, what, about what I said to follow up with, with, with what I said. You could say, you know, I understood this, but what about this? You can't even do that. And that's the way the Word of God is. The Word of God is here a little and there a little. But if you don't, if you don't spend time with it and go after it and take a hold of some things, you will never come to an understanding. And that's why it's so important that you are... See, the weapons that we're speaking about, they're not natural weapons. They have a function. And they're actually at work. They're, they can be at work in your life. And the thing is, and you'll even know, and there's a lot of things I'm going to say this evening, but you'll even know when it's at work in somebody's life. You can see it at work in somebody's eye. Without even see, and you're not seeing a shield, but you're seeing the effects of a shield of faith. You're seeing the effects of the helmet of salvation. You're seeing the effects of the sword of the Spirit. You'll see those in operation in the life of a believer. And there's one thing there. There's one thing. There's an ingredient that's there. There's things that are in that place of that, in place of the life of that believer that says, that's evident and I see it in them and I never knew. I never knew that that's what they were operating in. And then, because the shield of faith it actually shields you, it protects you, it delivers you, and it preserves you. But not only you, the entire body. Those that you're connected with. So let's go on to Ephesians chapter 6, because I know I'm going to keep on going if I do not stop and read. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. When you're there, let's say amen. Verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 10 again. Start there. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickednesses, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, verse 16 is what we're going to focus on, 16 and 17, well, 16 this evening. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 16 again. 
above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In these past weeks and months, we've been spending time in understanding spiritual warfare. And we know, we've understood, we heard that it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God at work in the life of the believer. It's not, this, is the, this is the power of God at work. You know, it's said, and it's been read through commentaries, and commentaries have wrote about it, that during the season, the Apostle Paul, who was the writer of the book of Ephesians, that he was imprisoned. And it is said that he was tied to a Roman soldier because they were under Roman rule at that time. And he was tied to a Roman soldier. And the Bible, and, and, and it said that he wrote Ephesians on this part of Ephesians by looking at this soldier and looking at the parts of the armor that this soldier was wearing. And a lot of times people think, you know, because I've, I've heard of books or one time I was reading a book that she said, you've got to actually say you, this is a shield and you've got to put a shield in front of you. And all of that is, is, is stuff that men make up. Because even though Paul was looking at a natural shield, a natural helmet, he was looking at natural shoes of the soldier and a belt of a soldier, he was not wanting you to focus on you getting equipped in that manner. He wanted you to, to actually understand what was he talking about. Like when he named the shield, the shield of faith. He named it the shield of faith because of what the shield does. And that's what your faith does. See... Paul's not talking about saving faith here. He's talking about faith that is lived. See, when we come to Jesus Christ, we, we put our trust in what God has done for us through Jesus. But now, see, this faith that we must live out, that's a faith that's developed. That's a faith that's built up. That's a faith that's strengthened. That's a faith that is encouraged. That's a faith that continues going. That's a faith that does not stop. See, you've got to understand... The, see, we get this in the New Testament. But the Old Testament believers, they operated by faith. They operated. They continued. The whole book of Hebrews, chapter 11, say they, they, they were persuaded. Say they saw things about... And I'm paraphrasing. They said they saw the eternal... And they kept their eyes on the eternal. And regardless of what came up in their life, they wouldn't stop. Because they trusted in Him they could not see. They continued to trust in a hope that when there was no hope. They continued to stand when really, the Bible says, instead of taking deliverance, they would rather suffer. They would rather suffer for a season than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. He said, I'd rather suffer with the people of God. That was Moses. Because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He operated by faith. And that shield preserved him. That shield delivered him. That shield protected him. That shield shielded him. From everything that the enemy would... See, let's go back. It doesn't keep you from experiencing those things. It keeps you standing in those things. See, remember, the scripture says, and having done all, and this is a comma, after you've done all, it says stand. To stand, you stand. It says, you're going to have to keep on standing. But see, you cannot stand without an understanding of what is happening in your life. 
You cannot stand and say, you know, I have to, you have, that's why it's so important that you get an understanding. of Because everything that you see, let's read verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And this is me. You know, when I'm talking, and I made mention of this this past Sunday, this Sunday before, when I was teaching, when I'm talking to someone, and I'm talking to one of the deacons and said, Deke, I need you to take my brother over here and uh, also, and, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. I need you to take, let's start out. Deke, I want, to, I want you to take them to H-E-B or to Walmart or wherever you're going. And I want you to do this. And I want you to take brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so. Are you taking these individuals to a different place? Not you're taking them all to the same place. And the scriptures talk about and taking the shield of faith, which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. There is a taking in all of these. There is a pursuit in all of these things, because without that pursuit, you will never have these things. For example, let's go back to what I said. I said it's tonight we're going to talk about our spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about our spiritual warfare. And I also said that it's very important that you understand what I'm saying because these things that I'm going to speak out or teach about are very things that are very necessary. They're essential things that must be in the life of the believer. It's pretty much what I said. And since you didn't have an understanding of that, the people that did, those are the people I use to give you an understanding. Because they have an understanding. They are developed in that understanding. And it's very important that everybody understands, but I can't give you an understanding. I have to actually use my method, those that actually are being, those that have an understanding and have an influence over you, those are the ones that teach you what is being said. That's how God does things. Those that are given an understanding because they had something in place, God places them sets them apart and says, teach them. Instruct them. See, these things must be in place in your life because you have to be a shield. You have to be a protection. You have to be someone that brings deliverance to the life of other people. But you can't do that without an understanding. So it's very important. Like, for example, you may think, well, if I don't pursue God, this is not affecting anybody. It's affecting everybody in your life. Everybody in your life, if you don't pursue God and you don't get an understanding of what He has for you, you have affected everyone in your life. You look at your husband's life. If you have not pursued God, he is being affected. If you have not pursued God, your children are being affected. And because you didn't pursue God, they have no understanding of God. They can't give anybody understanding. They're going to mess up somebody else's life. And so on and so on and so on. So it's very important that you get an understanding. That you have that understanding. And you can only get it from those that have an understanding. And that's where God comes in. See, in the, in the life where I told you, in the life of your believer, see, we're at Church of the Living Water. I can speak to those at Church of the Living Water. You're in here, not because you necessarily had an understanding, you were in search of an understanding. And you were hungry. And something was in place that brought you here. 
Not by happenstance. It just didn't happen. Something was in you and God says, because that is in you and that's in place, things you're going to have to experience, because I guarantee you, every one of us that has come and been in Church of Living Water for years and had known of Christ before, there were some things that we experienced that we had to stand, but we didn't really know how we stood. And even though we can go back and say, it was my God that brought me through. But we couldn't quite understand why we had to go through all those things. But when we look back, we can see something that was in place that kept us standing until we got an understanding. Your understanding is totally different now than it was before. Now you're in place to teach someone else. But before you couldn't. So I want you to go, oh, these are some objectives that I have. Objective number, number one. We have two objectives and they pretty much go together. It's to define and describe the weapons and their functions. We want to define and describe the weapons and their functions. Once again, it is to define and describe the weapons and their functions. And verse two is, and, and objective number two is this pretty much tied into it. But it's not only just to define them and describe their functions. And I'm using these objectives that I used the other day because I told you this message, that message came straight out of this. But what I want to, I want to clearly show you in this passage of scriptures that commanding responsibility upon the believer's life. See, God didn't even... It's so funny that God says, this is what I have for you. But in that passage of Scripture, He tells you your responsibility. He said, all of this is yours. But see, didn't you realize that you have to take it? That you have to go after it? That you have to pursue it? It's yours. But it's only yours for the taking. It's only yours for the... That's why it's so important that you understand why it's so important that I pursue my God. It's of utmost importance that you pursue the Lord. Because my sisters and my brothers, like I told you, everyone in your life is is going to be affected by it. And you're going to have to come to a point, it's like, no, I'm not affecting nobody. Oh, you're affecting a lot of people because you were affected by everybody else in your life. And you have to understand that God... You're never going to get around with having to deal with people. You're never going to be able to get... Your insecurities, your fears, your your reservations about people and about being around people and whatever it may be, you will never be able to get away from having to deal and confront and be around people. Because God has ordained it. He's ordained that... it's, it's, It's interesting... You remember what Minister, Minister, Minister Everhart said this. He said, The weapons indicate your allegiance. Your allegiance. Your loyalty and your devotion is what an allegiance is. It's, it indicates where your allegiance lies. Those weapons indicate it. And how they indicate How do they indicate it? By the taking of it. It shows how loyal you are to your brothers and your sisters. First of all, how loyal you are to God. Your allegiance. He also said it indicates who fights for you and who you fight for. Who you protect and who protects you. Do you remember that? 
See, and for the purpose of this teaching, I'm just going to switch that. It says, it indicates who fights for you and who you fight for. It indicates who, who protects you and who you protect. Because see, my brothers and sisters, going back to the shield of faith, those things, when it says to take, all these things, as I learn and I see, and I see how the shield of faith has done what it's done in my life, when you have not done the taking and you have not gone after and you need an understanding, my shield of faith can preserve you. It can preserve you as a body. See, it's so interesting that these shields, if you look at the, the, Roman, the, the, uh, the ancient Roman warfare type of thing, their shields actually connected to one another. They connected to another one all around and they actually shield the whole body, the whole entire, their, their entire group. And see, your shield, once again, it's not just for you. Because those that follow you see God's faithfulness in what God has done in your life and they want it. And they say, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 6 and 12, it says, don't be slothful, but be followers of them who by faith and patience inherit the promise. So I've seen somebody by faith and by patience inherit this promise. And I say, because I love God, how'd you do that? That's my shield of faith. I'm going to show you how you actually can take a hold of the shield of faith and not just to be effective for you, but everyone in the body. Because it's, it's delivering everyone in the body. It's preserving people in the body. Because remember, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. You understand? When one is hurting, we're all supposed to look into say, no, we're, we have the... See, that's why it's so in, in, interesting. This ties right into oneness. Because we're one body. We're one body. And because I have been given an understanding, I'm supposed to let you watch me and observe me and take note that God is on my side. See, it's like the... And, and, and it, it's like the... Uh, the uh, uh, in the... Second Kings chapter 6. Let's go there. Just going to run here. Get off these notes just for a minute. Second Kings chapter 6. Let's start at verse 8. And I want to read to verse 17. And this is the king of Syria. And we're talking about the prophet Elisha and his servant. Elisha and his servant. Elisha was a man of God. He was a prophet. And the word of God was with him. Then the king, in verse 8, are we in Second Kings chapter 6? Starting at verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel. Israel is God's people. And took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. So, the enemy has a plan. The enemy is going to attack God's people. And he has a method about how he's going to attack God's people. But somebody is hearing from God. Somebody has an understanding. Somebody is going to deliver somebody else that does not have an understanding. 
God's people. Because the weapons of our warfare, these weapons, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, having our feet shod with the preparation of gospel peace, all of them, they're actually to protect, preserve, and deliver the body. So that you can come to a place of understanding. So that's where you see thus far. And the king of Israel sent to a place which the man of God told him and warned his people and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. He's like, what's going on? These people are being delivered because they know my strategies. They know what I am doing. And how do they know what I am doing? Because somebody has an understanding. Somebody has knows what God is doing. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for his, this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, will you, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where Elisha is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he the king of, uh, of, of Syria, sent, therefore, he, therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and hosts compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. See, once again, the shield of faith. The shield of faith, it brings deliverance. See, other people may not know what is actually going on in their life. See, the Bible says, taking the shield of faith that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You know what fiery darts of the wicked are? Fiery darts of the wicked are things that come up in your life that want to pull you away from getting an understanding. See, God is the devil the devil is not interested necessarily in your marriage, in your money. In, in, in your children. What he is interested in is making sure I mess you up in such a way that nobody seeks after God. That nobody goes. That, no, that you would rather go to the world and seek their counsel than run to God. See, he wants to see anything that comes up in your life. But see, the thing is, those darts are those relationships. Are those jobs and circumstances that rise up in your life. Anything that the enemy, all the enemy, remember, it's a shield of faith. And all he wants to do is pull you away from faith. He wants to pull you away from the faith that you need to overcome. Because when you overcome, somebody else's eyes are open that God is on your side. See, that's what you've got to understand about what God is doing. See, when I tell you the shield of faith, so you come up with circumstances. And every one of you that has been here long enough or in the kingdom long enough can attest. You may think that, hey, this is the one for me. You're not married and this is the one for me. You know, hey, they like me 
I like them. They look good. I look good. I want them. And you go, but there's people that counsel you outside. People that are telling you. you, you especially here. You have people that counsel you and tell you what God expects, what God's standard is, and then you go off and say, but this is what I want. That's a dart. That's a fiery dart of the enemy. Only to pull you away from your faith. But, see, you've got to understand, all he's, all he's wanting, all God's wanting is this, that you choose Him above anything. See, it's not wrong to have a girlfriend and a boyfriend. It's not wrong to get married. It's not wrong to do all those things. But if any of those things, it's not wrong to have a good job. It's not wrong to get a great education. It's not wrong to do any of those things. But if any of those things pull you away from getting an understanding, that is sin. That is the enemy working in your life. And you think, because the world I'm in the world. This is the way the world does it. And you may think that, hey, I got... And see, the thing is, you may even be successful at getting it. You may be successful at getting, at landing the job that you want. You may be successful at, at, at getting your, your, all your... Going to college and getting all your degrees. You may be successful at all of that. Every one of it. And you may think, God is with me. But when situations arise in your life, in the life of your husband, in the life of your wife, in the life of your children, and you cannot give them the peace that God wants them to have, the wisdom that God wants you to have, them to have, then you failed miserably. Because you could have all those things and lose your husband, lose your wife, lose your children to the things of the world. And you think, because I had all these things, and, I, and, and this is the, the main thing in a family's life, especially with their children. I give you everything that you want. Why do you act the way you act? I give you everything that you need. Why do you respond the way you respond? The reason you, they respond that way is because the enemy is working in their life. And you have nothing to come back and combat the enemy. Because they have nothing to look to. If they had something to look to, that gives them hope. That gives them strength. And they can say, you know what? If my mother can do it or my father can do it, then I'm going to look to the God that they trust in. That's, see, because I'm going to tell you something. You can be at Church of the Living Water and your children can be surrounded by this thing. But they're going to have to come to know the God that they can trust in. See, after you've done everything you did, after you said everything you said, you cannot save them. You cannot deliver them. You cannot sanctify them. They have to come to the knowledge of it is Jesus. He is the only one that can do it. And they have to know that somebody has shielded them. Somebody has been able to show them who God is in their life. See, not only does this shield, this word shield, it was a handheld barrier for self-defense. It's an armor of protection. The helmet of salvation. These two, these are not weapons of offense to attack. These are only weapons of defense, of protection. There's something that they preserve. There's something that they protect. There's something that they deliver something from. And what is it? It says it's a shield of faith. So our faith does that. Not only for you, but for those that are watching you. Those that are learning. 
those that want to come to an understanding. Let's talk about this faith. This faith, once again, is not referring to saving faith, but a faith that is lived. It's a faith that is lived. So think about it. This faith talks about what can be believed. I want you to write this down. And then I'm going to tell you how God put it in my heart. It's what can be believed. It's a state of certainty with regards to belief. It's a state of certainty. And I want to repeat this because I want you to write it down. Faith is what can be believed. This is what this is faith is a, this faith is referring to. It's a state of certainty with regards to belief. It is trust. I like this one. Believing to a complete trust. You know that those that are pursuing God, that something is being developed in them. It's a believing to a complete trust. Have you ever told God, Lord, I want to trust you? I want to trust you no matter what. I want to surrender to you. I want to trust. It's easy to say, God, I trust you. It's easy, but when it comes down to it, you have to be developed in trust. This word also means trustworthiness. And this is referring to God. The state of complete dependability. So, this is how I want you to write this. Because it also speaks of the Christian faith, belief in the gospel, and in the doctrine of the apostles. The doctrine. So, that is the faith that it's referring to. So, in this position of taking hold of the shield of faith, because it's a position, and it is not an inactive position, it's a position of action. It's a position of effort. But in this position of taking hold of the shield of faith, because remember, it says taking the shield of faith. So, it says above all, I like that, above all or in a higher place. This must be in a very high place in your life. This taking this take it must be in a high place in your life because if it I'll say this it has to be in the highest place in your life because if it's not in the highest place in your life you will not experience what God has for you you will not be the blessing that God has called you to be you will not have what God has for you to be because God shows himself to those that go after him he loves everybody but he only shows himself to those that go after Him, those that long for Him, those that want an understanding. So, in this position of taking hold of the shield of faith, there is a certainty being developed in your heart. There is a certainty. In this position of taking hold, because remember, taking is a process. Taking doesn't just happen. I like with one, and we'll repeat, one of the definitions for take is to lift up and carry with you, to take it up. And you have it. You're carrying it with you. You hold on to it. One of the definitions is taking hold. Having a grasp of it. So, in this position of taking hold of the shield of faith, there is a certainty being developed in your heart. There is a believing to a complete trust being developed in your heart. There's a believing to a complete trust that's being developed in your heart. All of these things I'm going to tie into what I'm talking about this evening. Even though I've mentioned it. 
There's a certainty being developed in your heart. There's a believing to a complete trust being developed in your heart. And that is a complete trust in the trustworthiness or faithfulness of God. I'm being developed in that. That God is trustworthy. And all of this is found in the gospel message, in the doctrine that holds, that contains that which we, 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 what we need to believe in. See, all of this stuff that's being developed in your heart will not be developed without taking. Without take. See, God, once again, He wants to develop this in you. He wants you to be able to hold on to the shield of faith. And once again, it's not a natural shield. It's a position where there's a certainty in your heart. There is a believing to a complete trust where you're depending, a total dependence on God. So now, that person right there, it doesn't matter what comes up in their life. They stand. They continue going. They do not stop. See, that's the thing about the believer's life. Your development is in you not stopping and you standing and you continuing to go. And you don't even know that you're operating in the shield with, and you're taking hold of the shield of faith. That that's what's delivering you. See, God, once again, He makes it all available, but only for your taking. So this word taking, and I went over these the other day, but let's go over them. To take. The word take is from a Greek word means to take up. It means to take up. And we went over these the other day. It means to take up. It also means to lift up and carry. In Ephesians 6 and 17 which says take the helmet of salvation take hold of. Grasp. And I said I wanted to focus on take up and take hold of. To take up means to become interested in, involved in, and engaged in a pursuit. And, and the thing is, as you read commentaries about this, and I told you this the other day, that I found no commentary that would agree with what I was teaching. But I would have to go to the Scriptures to substantiate what I believe. And throughout the scriptures, you're going to find those people that got anything from God, they were interested in, involved in, and engaged in a pursuit. They took up. They grabbed a hold of something. They would not stop. They would not be denied. They were going to continue regardless. The whole book of Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of those people. It says, no... I, I, I will not stop. I will continue going. See, you think that these people obtained because there was something special about them. And the only thing that made them special is that they pursued God. And there's no... There's no um, even though God... See, that's what I love about God. He already knows if you want Him. He already knows if you will ever want Him. And He still makes it available for you. But He knows what you're going to choose. 
But me th- my thing is this. If you gave him an opportunity, he's going to speak to you. And you will never be with an excuse that God did not give you an opportunity. See, because at the very end, the Bible, see, the Bible says all these things pass away. Everything passes away. If you read, I'm going to go to 1 John chapter, and once again, I'm getting out of my notes, but 1 John chapter, chapter 2. First John chapter two. I want to write start at at verse let's start at verse twelve. It says I write unto you little children and verse chapter two, verse twelve. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known Him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, Neither the things, verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. It's very interesting, you as not that anything that we can pursue in life, anything that we can pursue in life, without Jesus being the highest thing we pursue, every one of them will fail you. Every single one of them will fail. Because all of it passes away in the lust thereof. But it's only He that does the will of God that's going to abide forever. So if it's that important to abide and continue then we need to find out what we need to do. And that is what we're talking about. Taking the shield of faith. Because this is a place, going back to what we were saying earlier, this is a place in our life where our faith is the, the highest thing in our life. The most important thing. Higher than any care that you have. Higher than any desire that you have. Higher than any endeavor, any pursuit that you may have. Your faith has to be in the highest place. And how is this? Because remember, this is not saving faith. This is the faith that you live by. And he says, you take this. You're going to have to... There's a taking here. So if this is missing, then you're not overcoming. You will not overcome. You will not show others how to overcome. Because that's what it's all about. This word take, take up. I want you to go, let's go to, we went over these things, but I want you to go to the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 15. Once again, to take up means to become interested in, involved in and engaged in a pursuit. It also means to get into one's hold or possession by voluntary action. 
Nobody wants to be pursued because somebody made somebody pursue them. It's like, well, you need to go. You Think about it. Would you want somebody to be interested in you because somebody made them be interested in you? Or made them pursue you? Or made them go after you? No. There has to be something in place. And that's a taking. That's an interest in. I want to be involved in. I'm going to, I'm going to be involved in this pursuit. Engaged in a pursuit. Because you only give yourself. You should only give yourself to those that are interested in you, involved with what you're doing, and engaged in a pursuit of you. And if you give yourself to anybody else that is not like that, you are a fool. And you are going to get hurt. Because they are just out to get something. See, God is not just out to get something. God is actually, actually, He, he, he wants your heart. He desires your heart. And He does everything that He does just to capture you. Because when you're captured, He's going to know, you're going to know how to actually do what you have to do in the life of other people. And that's all God is interested God is interested in His kingdom. See, if you think about it, if everybody had that pursuit, if everybody had that pursuit, because remember, in First Peter it talks about, it says, think it not strange. Let's go to First Peter, because I told you to go to Matthew. Let's keep your ribbon in Matthew, because we will go there. But go to First Peter. First Peter. Is it first? I always get first or second Peter mixed in. So let's see if it's first or second Peter. It is first Peter. Let's see where I can stop. Let's start at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved. It's reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God through faith and to salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold or many temptations. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. See, I don't know who's lied to you, but your faith is not to get things. Your faith is not... Your, the shield of faith... See, you could probably... People can probably teach the shield of faith about you obtaining and you grabbing and you having and you making... See, once again, in all of this stuff that we talk about, it's not necessary... It is to expose people, but not every day is Friday. Sometimes there is some heaviness. Did you, have you ever experienced heaviness? 
Have you ever experienced sorrow? Have you ever experienced fear? It didn't mean you stayed in there. Have you ever experienced going through maybe where depression may attack your mind? Have you ever experienced that? Those are the fiery darts of the wicked. And your faith is what God expects to rise up to the forefront. He never said you will not experience those things. He says, it may be that you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He said, you didn't do anything wrong. He said, you're just in heaviness because there's temptations that are attacking your mind. And all of those temptations that are attacking your mind, attacking your life, they're all for one purpose. It's for you to let go of the shield of faith. Remember, it's not saving faith. You're born again. When you accepted Jesus, when you put your trust in what God done for Jesus. But there's a living faith. This living faith is that shield of faith that you, He wants you to keep on holding up. And quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Those are those fiery darts. Those, it says, you're in, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. That's the trying of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Though it be tried, may be found exactly where it needs to be. In place. I'm positioned and I'm staying right here. Because my faith that shields me, preserves me, protects me and delivers me is going to do the same for those that follow me. See, my faith goes beyond my life. Because Abraham's did. Abraham is, 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 is still... What did he say? When he told Abraham what he was going to do, it was not about Abraham only. It's about everybody else that was going to believe. He said, no, it's about those that put their trust in what I... He wants to shield us. He wants to deliver us. He wants to protect us. And this is how God does it. Put it on. Take hold of it. Because that's how God delivers you and delivers this body of believers. See, we're not about foolishness here. We're not about telling you what your faith can do for it, what your faith can, what you can obtain by your faith. We're here to tell you what your faith is going to do in your life. Because at the very end of the day, you know what you want in place? You want your soul in place. I want my soul in place at the very end of the day. My God, I see what you did for me. I see how you delivered me. You know, I see that in the life of my mother. My mother can be having a bad day or going through certain things. But when we start singing praises to God, she just lifts her hands and lifts her eyes and she starts worshiping. She forgets about everything else and she's singing the songs that she remembers. Her worship, her glory. She just stands. See, that's the shield of faith that keeps her going. She takes hold of it. And even though she doesn't quite understand everything, she has that in place. That Jesus... You are my God. You are my strength. And I, didn't, I, I have gone through a lot of things, but one thing that's in place is my faith in You. My trust in You. And that trust has affected me. I tell people all the time, my mother got divorced when I was five years old, so a father I do not know of. I know him, but not the father, not the example of father in my home. I didn't have that example of father in my home. All I had the example of mother in the home. And I saw her faith. I saw her faith and I saw how she prayed. And the moment that I asked Jesus into my life, I knew how to pray. I knew how to pray. And I didn't know the exact things to say. I knew that I had to pray. 
So I would get up and I would seek the Lord at 17 years old. I would have a closet that I would go to. I would ask God. I would cry out to God. I want God. Because He had affected. He had now come into my life. And everybody around me, my aunts, my uncles, I was like, I want it. You know, I want what God has for me. Because now I have that faith. And I want to live by it. See, so remember... Your faith is affecting somebody. That living faith. The faith that you live by. That is taking hold of the shield of faith. So why stop? Why not? Why, why is there, not a, why is there a, a lack of interest? A lack of involvement? A lack of pursuit? Why is that? There should not be that in our life. Where there's not a crying out for God. For this faith. For to continue living. See, remember... There's a certainty being developed in our hearts. There is a believing to complete trust. I want to completely trust in you. It doesn't mean everything went right in my life. It doesn't mean that I got it right all the time. Because some of us didn't get it right all the time. I didn't get it right all the time. And if it was up to me, I probably would have kicked me to the curb. But me, I was trusting in God. Even when I didn't understand... I continued. Even when I didn't want to, I showed up here. Do you understand? And these are, these are the times of the 20-something years that we've been here. You know, I can, I can... See, my sister, you may think that the time that your husband didn't want to come, that your faith wasn't shielding him. Because, what I mean by that is, because he saw your faithfulness. And he saw it, or my brother, he, they see your faithfulness. But then they're able to grab a hold. It's just like the servant of Elijah. God, open his eyes. Open his eyes that he may see there's more with us than there are with him. See, that's where we need to come to. So let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 15. And we spent some time here the other day. The book of Matthew, chapter 15. Let's start at verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, are we there? Chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him saying have mercy on me O Lord thou son of David my daughter is grievously vexed I want you to go to Mark we're going to read the same passage of scripture in the book of Mark and I want you to hold your ribbon in Matthew chapter 15 because we're going to run back and forth again Mark chapter 7 verse 24 same scenario And from thence Jesus arose and went into the border of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it but could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her child. 
So she came to him expecting to receive something. And you know what? She approached them the right way. She said in verse in, in verse in chapter fifteen, she said, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed. And the Bible says, if we continue reading, verse twenty three, but he answered her not a word. He didn't answer her a word. And, and, and I told you this. Remember it says, if needs be, you're in manifold. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. Have you ever, and this, and this is, as a believer, have you ever approached God and didn't think, and, and didn't, how could I say? It didn't seem like God heard what you needed. Or you didn't hear God about your situation. See, and I'm not talking about knowing the will of God. I'm talking about a specific situations in your life where you have approached God through your life and it seems like God didn't say anything to you about it. And what did you do? What did you do? If I see you here, you did what? You continued. So, you would go to God in times in your life, because I know I have, and I would have asked Him about different things, but I didn't really get an answer about that thing. And all he expected me was to continue and what he told me before. See, I didn't stop there. I continued. And I kept on going. And and the thing about it, and I've shared this, you didn't necessarily God didn't necessarily He's given He's answered everything that His Word says He's going to answer. He's going to do exactly what He said He's going to do. But not every care that you have is something that He's involved in. Always remember that. Every care that you have is not something that God is necessarily involved in. Now, He cares for you coming out of that situation and going forward. He wants to deliver you. He wants to strengthen He wants to give you wisdom in that situation. But sometimes people suffer loss. But what do you do? See, because God is going to do what exactly what He said He's going to do. And one thing He told you, see, one thing He told us is that I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will go... See, you know that people have lost their marriages, have not continued, but somebody continued with God. Somebody can continue. See, the thing is, it doesn't mean that God can't restore a marriage. Or God cannot deliver your children. And He will. But the thing about it, at the very end of the day, there is still a will in place. There's still a choice that somebody has to make. But He's going to keep you. God is going to keep you. And, that, and the thing is, what, what I'm trying to get is, you didn't stop. You kept on going. Going back to this passage of Scripture. But He answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's so interesting that the woman not only came to Jesus, and I told you this, not only came to the Lord, and he answered not a word, then he sought out, she sought out somebody that could help her. And that's exactly the way, what Christians do. Okay, God is not answering me. Let me, let me ask somebody. Let me, let me depend on someone else. Let me ask. Let me hope that one of the brothers or the sisters have. Have you ever came 
or been, and, and this is in the years that you've been here, you cannot tell me that you've never experienced a heaviness. Never experienced, I really don't know what to do. I really don't know what's going to happen. But one thing that was in place is that I'm taking hold of Him. I'm staying with Him. See, because she went to her disciples and her disciples told Jesus, you've got to send this woman, this woman away. But then she came and worshipped Him. She came and worshipped Him and He said, and then after that, when He responded to her, He told her this, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. In Mark it says, let the children be filled first, for it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she still would not stop. See, because sometimes, remember, in your situations, you may not always hear the word that you like to hear. And you have to keep on going. See, this is not about your stuff. This is not about your kingdom. God is doing things to develop you that you have no idea that He's developing you. You have no idea that He's strengthening you. And you think that your problem is with people. And I've mentioned this. Like, for example, you know, our ministry. And it's so interesting that these things have come up, but our pastor passed away. And I was thinking the other day, because it came up on that Sunday that I was ministering. We have an interim pastor. And we have a pastor's son that's being developed to be pastor. And then people are troubled like, okay, what's going on? What's going to happen? How are things going to change? What is going to... And I'm going to tell you when you need to start worrying. You need to start worrying when we stop ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we stop developing faith in the lives of people. Because nothing has stopped. Everything is continuing to do what we did. We're just ministering to the lives of people. You have to fear when we stop working the work of the ministry. Because remember, the pastor's job was to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. Has that stopped? So, you're being perfected. You're working the work of... Haven't you seen the work of the ministry being worked? It's being worked. You start worrying when we stop working the work of the ministry. When that is not happening anymore. You stop working when you see God is not working in us anymore, not working among us anymore. You start, you run in those times. But other than that, the sh- taking the shield of faith is your responsibility. Going back, see, I, I thought about, you remember Rahab? Not Rahab, I'm sorry. Tamar. Tamar is mentioned in the bloodline of Christ. And Tamar, you know, Tamar refused to be denied. Even though she didn't quite grasp grasp it. And I'll tell you about Tamar. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah. And Judah, Judah went out and he married this Canaanite. And he had three children. And the first one, the Bible says, uh, married Tamar. But he was wicked. And he died. He died. 
He was wicked in the sight of the Lord. Didn't say why he was wicked, but he was wicked. So Judah told the next son, I need you to marry tomorrow and raise up seed for your brother. And the Bible says that he married her and he had intercourse with her. But the Bible says that he spilled the seed. He did not want to raise up seed for his brother. But you know who was being affected in all of this? Tamar was. But she didn't stop. The Bible says that he told her after, because the Bible says when he spilled it, the Bible says the Lord slew him because he was wicked too. Because he was not interested in what God was interested in. He didn't want to bring up seed that was going to change the course of people's lives. He didn't want to be involved with what God wanted to be involved. He was just a waster. Was not involved with what God wanted him to be involved in. But Tamar was, was affected by all of this. And then Judah tells Tamar, I need you to go, put on your widow's garment, and wait for my youngest son until he comes of age so that he can marry you. But Tamar was forgotten. Tamar was not looked to anymore. And Tamar knew it. But the Bible says that Tamar, Tamar actually heard that her, father, son, uh, that her father-in-law was going to be at a certain place. And she put off her garment, her widow's garment, and disguised herself as somebody else. And the Bible says that Judah saw her and desired her and went into her. And the Bible says that it was known of Judah that she was with child. But she was not going to be denied. And, and I just want you to see the attitude. You can be in a place where you don't want to be. That you really, that, that situations have put you in a place and decisions you've made in life, whatever it may be, but you still have this attitude that you're going to have what God has for you. See, it's amazing that this woman is now mentioned in this family of God, in the, of the family of Jesus Christ. But she just refused to be denied. She's like, no, I'm going to have this. And you know what? Whether she understood the fullness of what was going on, all I know is that she says, I want seed. I want what is coming to me. That which I desire. See, and all I want you to see is the attitude that she has. She just, I refuse. Think about that attitude. A refusal to be denied. A refusal not to get what she's asking for. And she just pursues it. And God puts her in a place and mentions her in the Scripture as someone that's in the bloodline of Christ. See, all of these things goes back to taking the shield of faith. So when we read Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, that you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That is your pursuit. That is your wanting. That is your desire. Remember again, you're saved, you're born again. It's all made available for you. But it's up to you to take it. God, see, it's there. But to me, faith that changes the lives of people, that's something we must take. That's something that we must go after. Okay, you're born again, you accepted Christ. But how effective? You know, I, I look at this. I thought about it's in Ephesians how that God is going to show the heavenly host what He does 
in the life of his man. And he did it all by faith. His trust in God. He said, this man is going to trust me and you're going to see his life. See, that was Satan's thing with Job. He said, does he trust you for not? He said, take away and see what he's going to do. And then we read in James, let's look at the endurance, the patience of Job that he continued. That's all God wants you to do. He wants you to take a hold of something. Taking hold of the shield of faith has to do a lot with you living the life that God wants you to live. In, the, in, the, in, the law, in, in front of everybody else. Taking hold of what God has for you. Not what the world says belongs. Not what people, not even what some preacher says belongs to you. It's not about that. This is, think about it. This is how we fight our battles. We do it by the weapons of our warfare. See, our battle is just to stand. Our, our victory is just to stand. Stand where other people can see our faith. Where other people can take notice and know He trusts in God. See, at the very end of my day, I want people to know that I've trusted in God. Regardless of what I went through. Regardless of what I had to go through. Regardless of what mistake I made or what sin I got involved in. It's amazing how David, God knowing what David would do, and God still called David. And the Bible says we have a better covenant established upon better promises. God is like, no, I live in you. I dwell in you. You can take a hold of this. So, how do I know when someone has taken hold of the shield of faith? It's by your pursuit. It's by your desire and your care. Someone that's taking a hold of it. Someone that's going after it. I want this. I desire this. See, you may think, and, and Brother Everhart made mention of this, about the pickup teams. He made mention, and he gave an example about the pickup teams, about knowing who fights for you and who you fight for, who you protect, knowing who's on your side. See, I can depend on somebody that goes after God because I know they're trusting in God. But I know if you're not on my side because I can see your pursuit. I, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It means I can't depend on you because you don't pursue God. And if you don't pursue God, I know you don't pray. I know. If I don't see... See, you may think it's in the little things and I'm out of time. But it's in the little things that we do. The times you come here the things you get involved in, the things that you want, the things that you go after, the things like when you make decisions, I see if you've taken hold of the shield of faith by the decisions that you make. I can tell if you put something else before God. If you put a relationship before God, you're not taking hold of the shield of faith. If you put your, anything before God. And what I mean by that, it doesn't mean you're not taking care of business. It's that means that nothing stops your pursuit. Nothing stops your pursuit. If something has stopped your pursuit, you have not taken hold of the shield of faith. And you are going to be defeated. You're, the devil's going to get the best of you. And you don't want that. Because that has nothing but scars. You come to God, but you are at a place you don't want to be. Let's stand to our feet.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.